Hello and welcome to season two of Painting the Corners, our first episode here. Logan and Johnny back with you for the new year. Um, And we are going to kick off the new year with a top 10 right now series, uh, just parallel to MLB Network as they're putting out their top 10 lists at each position. We're going to be following along and uh, comparing our lists to theirs as well. So yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it with the top 10 relievers right now. So let's kind of get into how we ranked and, and decided on how these players fared against one another. Um, I know for me, uh, Johnny, I was looking a lot at both what they have done and kind of what I'm thinking they're going to do in the future. Uh, did you find yourself kind of having a balance issue with that or how'd that look for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the uh, balance between really the, the kind of surface level performance stats like ERA um kind of weighed against more predictive stats. Uh, it was definitely a balance that I had to strike um, because the the goal of this exercise isn't to say, you know, who had the best 2022 season or who had the best three-year period going up to, to this year. It's who do you want on your team going into this season and just for this season alone? And so that's that's a different question. And, you know, you have to get different parameters in order to a- answer that question. No, you really do. And I definitely struggled trying to weigh those two. And like you said, you can look at ERA and say, well, this guy had a two ERA flat and this guy had a three ERA flat. But there were certain times where even given that difference, I found myself saying, well, I kind of like the guy with the three ERA better. Um, and, and it's funny because it really shouldn't be a debate, but like you mentioned, when you're considering who you want on your team for the next year, if certain stats that are towards the more predictive side of things lean heavily towards the guy with the higher ERA in the last year or so, you know, why would you steer away from that? Because um, like you said, again, we're really focusing on next year, the, the 2023 season, and it gets difficult. It really does, especially when you start adding multiple years to this. And for me, I kind of looked at the last two years, the last two seasons of Major League Baseball when determining how these pitchers were going to fare on my list. I didn't just look at last year. And I felt like that kind of gave me a better overall scope of who the player is rather than just a one-year blimp, which everyone can have a great or a or a down year here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And I also looked at the past two years of performance. Um, I also sprinkled in um, steamer projections for 2023 a little bit. Didn't weigh them too heavily. Um, but I did want to get a little sense of, you know, what the projection systems think of these guys, uh, when I'm determining kind of my own little projection here. Um, and yeah, what you say about the ERA, um, it's definitely a bias. You know, when you see a guy with a two ERA, you immediately think, oh, that guy's better. Um, and you have to kind of discipline yourself to really look deeper um, at the other stats and be willing to kind of pick against the chalk in some cases. Um, but of course you don't want to go too far and just kind of make willy nilly picks just because you like a guy. 
And we both had our own ways of, of kind of getting around that bias. Um, how did you go about, um, you know, making sure you didn't just pick guys based on name value? Yeah. And for me, especially when, when Johnny and I did this just for fun in, in the past before we even had this podcast, we were, I would look at name value and it's so impossible not to have a bias towards one guy or another. So what I decided to do this year is I was able to put all the players that, that we were considering for this top uh, 10 relievers right now list into a fan graphs, uh, into their customizable charts. And, and then I was able to pick the statistics that I was looking at and export that onto Excel. And for those of you Excel nerds, you know that you're able to hide certain columns uh, while the statistics still remain there, I was able to completely hide the names and the teams of the players, and and that allowed me to have a completely unbiased prediction and and, and looking at just solely statistics. And quite honestly, I was I would really like the way it went this year, um, and I was happy with not only the surprise that I had for myself at the end when I looked at the names, but there was definitely no bias, and I appreciated my results for it. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny because I totally agree with you. I'm really happy with my list. Um, I didn't hide the names, but I did just have a preset algorithm. So I just, you know, I also did the exporting of the stats from Fangraphs. It's a really awesome tool. Um, and so, you know, I just plopped all the stats in there and it did the rankings for me. And so I never really, um, got any opportunity to, to insert my own biases. But I'm also really happy with my list, which I didn't really expect to be because relievers traditionally are the hardest position to rank, um, you know, just from the, the, the turnover that we see year after year after year um, with guys just, you know, randomly popping up. Of course, this year you got Jason Adam of the Rays. He was on nobody's radar. Brian Abreu, who we saw in the World Series as part of that no hitter for the Astros. You know, these guys were not even names last year they wouldn't have cracked you know they wouldn't have even been in consideration on the list last year so um you know it's tough to predict but i i'm also pretty happy with my list for sure all righty so enough of the talk let's get into the meat of why everyone's listening to this episode and, and johnny and i after we reveal our list to one another um we are going to then have a fruitful discussion about how we can maybe conjoin our lists together and, and we'll debate back and forth and see what we can come up with and then compare that uh, list to what was actually revealed on MLB Network. So with that said, Johnny, let's hear your top 10. All right, starting at number 10 of the reigning world champion, Houston Astros, their closer, Ryan Presley. Um, Presley saw him on the biggest stage this year. He's been a top closer for years, really, really stepped into the the spotlight this year. You know, I mean, Astros are always in the playoffs, but he really shined, didn't give up a single run in the postseason. Um, so great to see him on this list. I think he deserves a little more recognition. Number nine from the team that beat the Astros in the 2021 World Series, A.J. Minter. Uh, lefty reliever, great stri- strikeout stuff, as really everybody has on these lists. Uh, he comes in at number nine. Uh, at number eight, here's the power of, of no biases because I've got a Dodger on my list. Uh, Evan Phillips, 
just an absurd ERA. His ERA was under one for most of the year, I think. Really developed that cutter this year under the Dodgers staff. Um, nasty slider as well. So he comes in at number eight. At number seven of the Seattle Mariners, he of the 103-mile-an-hour fastball, Andres Munoz. We also got to see him in the playoffs. He pitched in that 18-inning affair. Um, also the other two games of the series, I think. Um, really just wipe out stuff, that fastball, to go with a hard, hard 91-mile-an-hour slider. He's really kind of on that Edwin Diaz um, track with just power fastballs, power sliders. He throws both of them uh, almost equally. So uh, definitely a name to watch. Former Padres farmhand um, traded him away in 2020. So now moving up to number six, another 103 mile an hour fastball, Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Really impressed with him. Another guy who kind of came out of nowhere this year, uh, just kind of dominated out of the shoot. Struggled in the playoffs. He he blew the save in uh, in game one of the wild card series. But uh, our stats are, are regular season only. We can't don't hold that against him. Um, hardly much of a of a sample to to declare he's unclutch or anything like that. So he will have plenty of opportunity to prove himself next year with the cards looking like division contenders again all right and now into the top five so at this point for me it's worth noting that i made this list in early december mid-december before we heard the very unfortunate news that liam Hendricks um, was diagnosed with non-hodgkin's lymphoma Uh, so without that knowledge i ranked him as my number five reliever and um I'm not going to change my list now. I'm not going to hold that against him. So based on his performance the last few years, I ranked him as the number five reliever in baseball. Obviously, the closer for the White Sox has had several tremendous years now for the A's and more recently for the White Sox. Um, huge fastball, devastating slider, curveball, and of course, his celebrations uh, are what he's most well known for. And okay, now now into the top four. These guys are the true relief aces. Um, you know, you bring these guys into the game and it seems like it's game over. Starting with number four, Johan Duran, the rookie for the Twins. I mean, what can you even say about this guy? He throws 103, 104. He has a splinker that's like almost a splitter, half splitter, half sinker. And um, he throws that about 99 and it just dives under hitters bats they cannot square it up um his off speed is good too but that fastball is what really carries him so he's in at number four and then the top three are all names that we've heard before and names that all you know continued to dominate and took steps forward this year number three i've got devin williams of milwaukee <laughs> that that airbender changeup. Hitters have seen it now for three years, and they still can't figure it out. Um, I think he allowed one barrel on it all year. Um, So just absolutely devastating single pitch there. Probably one of the most devastating pitches in the game. Number two, I've got Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians. Their closer not only pitched at an extremely high level, but shouldered a huge workload 
for the guards this year, racking up the saves, putting up a huge, uh, a, a very low ERA. Doesn't strike out as many guys as the rest on this list, but he makes up for that with extremely good command. He doesn't walk anybody, and he throws those flaming 101-mile-an-hour cutters that nobody can can hit hard. And at number one, I mean, this is one of the easiest number ones of all these lists. It's got to be Edwin Diaz. Bring out the trumpets. There's no way you can pick anybody else for number one. Um, I'm sure you've got him there too, Logan, but it's it's the easiest pick. You can't can't miss on Edwin Diaz at number one. All right, what do you think? All righty. Well, I like that. That's fun. Uh, it's a good list. Um, and as you guys will see, we definitely agreed on on some placements of certain guys and and as well names, but not everything's the same, uh, which makes it fun. So let's get into what I got. At number ten, and I won't give you too much of a breakdown on the guys that Johnny's already let, that Johnny has already listed. At number ten for me was the Mariners' Andres Munoz. Uh, tough to ignore that 100 mile an hour, 103 mile an hour fastball, excuse me, and the numbers he put up to support it were pretty incredible. Number nine is someone that you did not have on your list, and that would be Rossel Iglesias. Okay, struggled a little bit um, towards the deadline with the Angels, but once he was traded back to the Braves was probably the most dominant reliever in baseball that latter half of the season. Um, So I loved what I saw from him. Number seven, and definitely going to have to do some backing up on this one. And I am prepared, excuse me, number eight, not number seven, number eight. uh, I'm going to have to do some backing up on this one for sure is Josh Hader of the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. I promise you this is not a biased pick. I really believe that he had one singular blimp in the radar and without that blimp, he would probably be number two on a lot of lists. Number seven, which kind of surprised myself on this one when I saw my my list at the end, was Devin Williams. I for sure thought he'd be a top three guy for me, but Devin Williams created out at number seven. Number six, uh, same thing for me. I did not dock him through having to go through cancer. Um, at the end of the day, I believe cancer should be more scared of him than he is of it, and that would be Liam Hendricks. Uh, number five, I had Ryan Presley. Number four, we agreed upon that one. I, I do believe that is uh, Johan Duran. Um, absolute stud out in Minnesota. And doesn't have a huge sample size, but I think you kind of have to buy into that. And another guy who I really, really buy into, who doesn't have a big sample size, is that of the Los Angeles Dodgers and Evan Phillips. He's number three for me, which definitely surprised me. Oof. But uh, I'll, I'll be able to defend that, I promise. And then one and two, we have the exact same. Emmanuel Classe coming in at number two and Edmund Diaz at number one. The only thing that I wanted to say that I thought um, I disagree with you a little bit on is that it was one of the most easiest number ones to decide in all the positions. Emmanuel Classe over the last couple seasons has been silly good. And Diaz was unreal last year. Don't get me wrong, and we'll talk a little bit more about Class A and how good he's been. But statistically, there's no doubt an argument that Class A over the last couple seasons has been the best reliever in baseball. But with all of that said, Johnny, where do you want to start? How do you want to try to combine our lists? And, and any first off, any reactions to what I had to say? Well, yeah, a few. Um, let's yeah. just start at the top, though, really quick about what you said about Diaz. Um so, you know, when I say easy pick, obviously I'm not the one doing the picking. I've 
we've already explained that our our lists are um, made with with the stats, not no no self input, no biases. And I have my scores on a standardized scale where the average is zero and the standard deviation is one for the final score for everybody. And that's out of a sample of 26 of the best relievers in baseball. So, you know, being the mean, being a zero on this scale is, is still really good. But Emmanuel Clase, who got second place on my list, was a 1.8. He was 1.8 standard deviations above the mean. That is insanely good. That's like, you know, above 90th percentile. Edwin Diaz was 2.9. He was almost three standard wow. deviations above the mean. That's just like, that's a, a huge, huge gap. No, that's insane. No, it is insane. And, and at the end of the day, obviously, I went with Diaz at one, two. But um, yeah, I, I just think no, Class A should feel really good about himself because if Edwin Diaz didn't exist, he, I mean, he's no, he second to none. There's no one else really close to those two, I don't oh, think. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, Williams, who was next on my list, was at 1.2. The only reason that Classe really suffers is the lack of K-rate. And so that just hurts his projections a little bit. You know, he's been successful without striking guys out, you know, at the at the elite, elite level. But it is a little worrisome, you know, because more balls in play means, means more chance for unluckiness. Totally. Totally. So let's see what we can do to, to come to a consensus here. I think... We made it pretty easy on ourselves at one and two here. We can put Diaz in Class A. Uh, Diaz being Absolutely. number one and Class A being number two. So the real challenge here is going to come in at number three because my number seven is your number three and my number three is your number eight. So we're pretty far off in terms of that. And I'm kind of wondering here... Um, are we gonna maybe let Johan Duran come I down? I was to thinking. Three? I mean, we both have him at number four, so right. I think that yeah, makes that simple. I enough. think that makes that pretty simple. Okay, so then I I think you know, obviously we have Hendricks and uh, Hendricks and Presley coming next for me, and you have Hendricks at five. I have have him at six, and then you have Presley down at ten. So Presley will probably drop a little bit. But um, well, you can make a case for him. You know, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, no, I gotta beguile me over to your side. No, fair enough. I definitely will. So, uh, Phyllis versus Devin Williams. I kind of just want to hear what you have to say about Williams. I want to be convinced on why Williams should be higher than number seven, like I have him. Okay. Well, see, part of the problem with my, you know, ginormous stat load here is that I can't really see the original stats, and that's another kind of a bias protection thing is that there's so many stats on this huge board that I can't really pick them out very easily. But that that is a, a negative when I'm trying to uh, look back and actually defend my choices. Okay, Williams here. So first, I guess I should explain my system a little more in detail. Um, I've got kind of two, two or three layers to my system. We've got the kind of surface level performance stats, ERA, FIP, WHIP, and win probability added. Um, and I included win probability added for relievers. I don't think I'm going to include that for starters, just as a kind of leverage index. And then for the more predictive stats, we got strikeout rate, walk rate, ground ball rate, um, that kind of zone. And then the third level 
which was new for me this year, was a luck index, um, including BABIP, strand rate, home run per fly ball rate, that sort of stuff. Um, trying to induce some regression to the mean for a little bit of, you know, uh, do-it-yourself projections. I also have some age regression baked in. Um, not much because most of these guys are young, but, um, that's basically how my projection system shakes out. And as for Williams, I mean, he grades out, let's see here. Um, I've got him at number three. He grades out really well, uh, on all three, really. Um, he's got great performance, great predictive stats, and he's also had good volume. He's just been on the field. He's pitched a lot the last few years. Um, he did have an injury at the end of the 2020 season, but he's rebounded well the last two years and just posted up a lot. So the first knock against Phillips is just he hasn't pitched as much. 2021 was his breakout year. Or sorry, excuse me. 2022 was his breakout year. And not having the volume of another season. He only pitched 13 and a third innings in 2021. So, you know, while he did good in those 13 and third innings, not outstanding, but good, you know, can I really put him ahead of a guy who's had two of those outstanding level seasons? And I couldn't, or at least my system could not. No, I think that's fair. And that's something that I battled back and forth with myself a lot too, is how to measure volume versus production. Um, and with Phillips, you know, his ERA over the last two seasons, granted, you can't really consider two seasons ago anyway, but in 76 innings pitch versus the 114 that Williams threw is lower. It's lower by a significant margin. He's sitting at a 1.53 and Williams is at a 2.2. But like you said, there's not the volume there. So could Phillips regress to that 2.2? Of course. Um and I think a big reason, though, for me that Williams fell on my list had more so to do with his walk rate scaring me than anything. I'm big on strikeout to walk percentage, and I know for relievers it's less important than starters for sure, but he's walking out at 12.4 walk percentage. So he's walking over 12% of the batters that he's facing. Now, it's okay when you strike out 39% like he does, but that definitely scares me. and. You know, that sort of number, and and then next thing you know, you add in a, a difficult BABIP-type season, not that he had one, but just saying if you do, um, that can lead to a, a little bit of an inflated ERA. And I know if we're looking at FIP, which is a predictive uh, stat for pitchers that is calculated in war for pitchers, they don't use ERA, they use FIP. His FIP is higher than, than Phillips. Again, I know it's a smaller sample size. But when I was kind of looking at all these things and and considering, you know, a lot of guys on base, he has a significantly higher whip. The the strikeout percentage was really the only thing that I could get on board with Williams. And I ended up just having Phillips being more consistent throughout the entire entirety of all the statistics that I was looking at versus Williams. I saw some potential for for failure. But I will say this. If I knew it was Devin Williams, I don't think I would have ranked him at seven. I think I probably would have had him closer to the three to five range, probably. So I can definitely stomach moving him up. Can you stomach moving him up to five? I definitely can stomach moving him up to five. Who would be our four? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Um, all right, let's let's just take a look at the contenders here that we have for four. Duran's off the board, so we got Williams, Phillips, Hendricks. Mm-hmm. I think are the three candidates. Uh, Presley and Helsley are kind of a little. We've got them off. You have you don't even have Helsley on your list, and my, Presley's at ten on mine. So I think it comes down to Williams, uh, Phillips, and Hendricks for the next three spots. Yeah. What's uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I am. That's really tough. That is really tough. I think I'd be okay putting Devin Williams at four if we put Phillips Phillips at five. I'll buy that. And then Hendricks can stay at six. I'll buy that. Or at least where I had him at. Okay. So we're going to add Williams to, Williams to four, Phillips to five, and then um, Hendricks to six. So now we're looking at a list of Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Classe, Johan Duran, Devin Williams, Evan Phillips, and then Liam Hendricks at six. So then I guess the next kind of couple guys we got to figure out are, you know, do we put Ryan Presley at seven or are you thinking? Well, okay. We've got, we've got two guys left that made both of our lists. Correct. Munoz and Presley. The other we got we each have two guys then that didn't make the other guys list. Right. Helsley and Minter for me, Hader and Iglesias for you. Correct. And uh personally I'm gonna argue for your guy. I'm gonna say Hader has to make our list. I don't care. This is now the time for biases to shine. Right. <laughs> and I want Josh Hader on my list because as you said, you know, my all knowing only statistic thing here doesn't know that Josh Hader's release angle changed in July and he wasn't getting the good run on his two seamer that fooled his opponents. It just knows what happened. And it also doesn't know that he struck out nine consecutive batters in the postseason and didn't allow a run. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of having Hader on this list at some point. Cool. We would probably put him. Well, what do you think? Where where do you think Hater lands? Well, I'm going with landing Hater at nine. If we can find somewhere to put Munoz and Presley at seven and eight, would that be good with him? Okay, and then we can battle it out for number ten between the others. Yeah, or see if there's a guy who just missed for both of us, maybe. But um, yeah, for seven and eight, what order are you thinking when it comes to Presley and Munoz? Yeah, I would be fine with putting Presley over Munoz, just in terms of a uh, volume. Yep. Uh, argument because Presley has done it for years and years. And Munoz, uh, coming off Tommy John surgery, only pitched two-thirds of an inning in 2021. And he had a great year this year, but really the first year that he uh, really dominated. So, okay, we've got Presley at seven, Munoz at eight. And and that leaves us Hader at nine. And so the number 10, so... I gotta be honest, because the two, the, so then therefore the guys that were missing on each other's list at this point, I had Rossiel Iglesias at nine. You had AJ Minter at nine, and then you had Ryan Helsley at six. I had him all the way up at six. Yeah, I had Helsley like somewhere in like the twenties range. Um, and let me t- really? let me tell you why. So, and, and I and I feel pretty solid about having him. Maybe not at twenty, but outside of the top 15 for sure. When you're looking at predictive stats for him, both FIP and XFIP, and XFIP is like a expected stats, had his ERAs above three 
So he would be the only guy that made the top 10 for me that had any sort of FIP or XFIP above three. And quite honestly, no one was really even close to that in the top 10. And no one was even close to that in the top 15 besides Jordan Romano for me. So I could not stomach putting a guy who didn't rate out super, super well um, and had a 10% walk rate. I don't know. And doesn't have a ridiculous strikeout rate to balance that. It's, it's a good strikeout rate, but it's not ridiculous. So for me, Helsley wasn't even close to, to someone who I would put in the top 10. All right. All right. And then as for Minter, as for Minter, I had him at 15. Um, and I, I, I like I like Minter a lot. I do. He's given a lot of innings. Um, and, and they've been pretty solid innings. His predictive stats, for the most part, are pretty solid. And he's put a, a good product on the field in front of that as well respectable strikeout and walk right nothing nothing crazy sexy but um i i do like minter what, what were your thoughts on iglesias where did you have him kind of coming in i had iglesias at 13 um another guy kind of like hater who suffers because of his bad first half um it wasn't as atrocious as, as haters but he definitely did not pitch that well with the angels <clears throat> if he pitched you know that that level all year, we would not even be having this conversation. I don't think he would be in the top 20. Um, but he was very dominant in the back half. And it's hard to capture that because overall his numbers still weren't as good as some of the other guys because of that bad first half. Um, so, you know, I would consider it. But um, one guy that I do have as my just missed, as my number 11, I'm wondering what you think about Pete Fairbanks. Because... He has outstanding numbers. It's just the fact that he hasn't pitched very much at all. <laughs> That's very funny you say that because my number 11 is also Pete Fairbanks. I okay. loved him. And there was it wasn't difficult to have him miss out, per se, on the top 10. Right, but right. I was glad he was my number 11. Me too. I, I was glad he was as well. But I'll say this. He definitely deserved a lot of attention. And, you know... His teammate, Jason Adams, gets a lot of attention in Tampa Bay, but I'd rather have Pete Fairbanks next year for sure. Oh, yeah. Adam comes in at 18 for me. Yeah, and for Adams, he was 17. So that's pretty much online there. So with all that said, are you good putting Pete Fairbanks at number 10? All right. Let's take it. it. All right. Let's do it. I like it. So with all that said, let's kind of break down or break down per se. We've done enough of that. But let's talk about what we got for our top 10, and we'll start at 10. So... Number 10 on our combined top 10 list is Pete Fairbanks. Number 9 is Josh Hader. Number 8 is Andres Munoz. 7 is Ryan Presley. 6 is Liam Hendricks. 5 is Evan Phillips. 4 is Devin Williams. 3 is Johan Duran. 2 is Emmanuel Classe. And number 1 is Timmy Trumpet's best friend, Edwin Diaz. (laughs) So, very nice. You want to compare that to what MLB Network had? Yeah, let's look at the uh, the Shredder, as they call it. So the Shredder definitely liked your Helsley pick to start at number 10. They okay. definitely... Should have pushed hard for that. Yeah, I, well, and the thing is, I, I do, the system has Helsley on my end pretty low. And I don't think that that's necessarily where my heart would have ranked him, per se. And it might have been a little bit too harsh on his expected stats, given what he's done. But... At the same time, I just don't think he's a top 10 reliever. I don't know. It's really hard for me to, to say he's a top 10 reliever when I look at all these statistics. Well, yeah. I mean, 
the thing with all these guys is, you know, they might come out next year and have an ERA of 0.7. Right. You know, and then they're the number one reliever because that's just how it goes. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to say with, with one season, really, of, under his belt. That's a good point. And then Jason Adam uh, over in Tampa, he gets number nine spot for MLB Network. And we both agreed that that he, really shocks. Yeah, me. we both agreed he was outside our top 15, 18 for you, 17 for me. Yeah, he's solid, no doubt. But I, there's nothing that says top 10 reliever in the game. I mean, he had an outstanding ERA this year, but A, it was his first year of dominance in any fashion. And B, I don't think his predictive stats were you know off the off the page uh, at least based on where my thing had him um let me see what let me see if i can pick out his luck here um yeah okay so according to my little luck index here he had a lot of good luck in terms of babip he had a lot of good luck in terms of strand rate or left on base rate so a lot of the runners that he was allowing to get on base, i.e. walks and hits, did not come around to score. And that's something that is really uh, pretty flat amongst all major league pitchers. You cannot really control your strand rate. The, the best way you control it, you can control it is striking guys out. Uh, but even so, it's it really just hovers around 75% for most uh, pitchers, pretty much regardless of how good they are. And his strand rate was 89.4% this year. So... Um, that's definitely due to see some regression. Yeah, and and like you said, like there's the thing with Jason Adam is the season he had last year was really really good, but everything says that he's due for a lot of regression. But that still keeps his ERA at around three, given all the predictive stats. So it's not like we're saying oh, he's yeah. a bad reliever. It's just no tough to see him being a top ten guy going into the 2023 season based off of a singular good year out of nowhere where unlike a guy maybe like a Evan Phillips or a Johan Duran who's only had about a year year and a half of success his predictive stats don't back that up like theirs do right right um so then number eight was Liam Hendricks for MLB Network I'm glad they had him on there and yeah, I don't know sure. if he's at number eight because of the cancer thing but I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of surprised he's number eight. I know you had him at five. I had him at six. It would be really hard for me to put him any lower than that. I mean, yeah, me there was too. part of me that wanted to push him even me higher. Too. I mean, the, the little Liam Hendricks appreciation talk right here. He had a, basically a 40% strikeout rate last year, which is top, top, top. That's top 1%, top 2% in the league. He also mixed in a 4.5% walk rate, which is the best amongst Oof. any of the relievers that were considered for this thing. Every single reliever had a worse walk rate than him. It's it's ungodly how good his walk rate was and the fact that he has an insane strikeout rate. I don't know. Eight seems kind of low, especially behind a guy like who they have at number seven, Andres Munoz. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I think that's pretty unconscionable, having Munoz ahead of Hendricks. Hendricks has had three straight four straight maybe dominant seasons and Munoz has had one. Yeah, that that's totally where my mind is too with that one. And um and then it's interesting to me though that they wouldn't put Hendricks above Munoz, but that they're confidently gonna put at number six Ryan Presley. I don't really know how one there is better than the other in terms of 
what what is Munoz doing that makes him better than than Hendricks, but not Presley? I guess is my question here, and I, I'm not really sure where that disconnect is. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the shredder never reveals its secrets, but we can guess. It's <laughs> a good point. Good good point. So um, then, kind of breaking into their top five is very similar to what uh, Johnny and I ended up coming up yeah. with. Um, obviously some guys are the top five is the same, just the three, four and five are a little different order. Right. So I'm just going to read that, that top five off. That's Johan Duran, Evan Phillips, Devin Williams, Emmanuel Classe, and Edwin Diaz in that order. So we're pretty much right on with what the shredder was thinking there. And to me, it kind of felt like an obvious top five. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, so let's see it. It looks a little different than ours, but one and two are exactly the same. Three, four, five, we have them as five, three, four. And then six, seven, eight, we have them as eight, six, seven. And then nine and ten are different completely. But that's fairly similar. Um, so I, I think I give us a good job on that. And we did not consult this at all before we did our lists. No, no, we did not. So yeah, I would give us a good job too. And this was, I think relievers is also one of the more difficult ones at times because of the volatility Absolutely. that these guys have. So it's tough to know how to weigh success. And and the thing too is you can have a reliever like a Liam Hendricks, and I'm not saying this is going to be him, but who has four years of dominant success and can fall off a map with a snap of the fingers. It, relievers are really unlike... Or this Chapman, anyone? Right. Uh, relievers are unlike any other position. Not to say that position players don't have that happen, but relievers are just the volatility is so much higher. So um, to have somewhat of a, a similar list to to the unbelievably talented Shredder uh, feels pretty pretty good. <laughs> okay, well, thank you guys for listening to our top ten relievers heading into the twenty twenty three season. We had a blast doing this one, and we will continue with all the rest of the positions. You can see the schedule on MLB Network. We will be following that somewhat closely, so at least in the same order. So that means, for reasons known only to them, right fielders come next. Uh, So we will see you in a few days with the top 10 right fielders right now. See you.